Coming up next on Abounding Grace. We want to follow God in obedience. Obedience and submission silence the critics and gives an open door for the gospel to be shared when they ask you why you don't cheat on your taxes, why you follow the laws, why there's extra effort to do what's right. It gets people's attention. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for we are called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Our Lord commands it and our world demands it. It's clearly evident that being a spectator cannot solve the problems we're facing as a nation. So what do we do? We can begin with a refresher in Christian citizenship and that's what we'll receive today on Abounding Grace. Head over to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we bring you verses 13 through 25. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Take your Bibles. Would you open them to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we finish the chapter today? 1 Peter chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've entitled, listen, The Freedom Submission Brings. The Freedom Submission Brings. Now, just the word submission, it's not a popular word. It's not a popular word in our culture, our society. Everything screams at us to do what we want to do the way we want it, how we want it, any way we want it. It could be something as simple as an advertising slogan like have it your way or just do it. And when we hear that, it feeds a selfishness in us that says, yes, you're right. You do it the way you want and you assert yourself and make sure your voice is heard. And we feed on that because we want our voice to be heard. There's a natural part to that. It's not even sinful. It's like, hey, we have the opportunity to communicate. God given us words and ideas and feelings and given us an opportunity to communicate. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can cross a line and feed a selfishness in us. The real question, though, for us is not, what do I want? That's going to lead you nowhere. The question to ask is this, God, what do you want? I've submitted my life to you. What do you want for me? What do you have for me? And part of the answer that God will give you, if you honestly ask him that question in your prayer life, part of the answer that God will give you inevitably is submission. That much of the problem among us today, all of us, is areas where we lack submission to God. First to him. It makes sense that in our new relationship with God, born again, that we no longer live for ourselves. But that's where the battle is. Between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit and the flesh, they're contrary to one another. But one of the scriptures after Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, one of the very next scriptures that a brother told me to memorize when I was a new believer was this one in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Where Paul declares very authoritatively, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. And how many times I've needed to hear that myself. I have been crucified with Christ. That's a powerful statement. There was an exchange that took place. It was his life for my life. His will for my will. His ways for my ways. Although there is still a great struggle in my life. And I'm sure in yours. That's what God desires from us. He desires submission. Submission to his will. To his way. And to his word. He wants us submitted in marriage. He wants us submitted in our singleness. He wants us submitted at work. And he wants us submitted in society. So notice with me in verse 13, as he comes to a conclusion in chapter 2, Peter, he writes, therefore, and again, therefore, whenever we come to that word, we need just to ask a quick question. What's the conclusion? What is it therefore? What's he connecting? Well, he's connecting us back with verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, so that when they do speak evil against you, or they speak of you as evildoers, they may by your good works, right? Good works will be seen. That's what the purpose is of good works, so that they might be seen and they observe them. They might glorify God in the day of visitation. So therefore... Here's one of the ways as sojourners that we abstain from fleshly lusts. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, or as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for praise of those who do good. Listen, verse 15. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Therefore, submit. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word. And the Greek word in the original language has the picture of falling in line. It's a military word. It speaks of order and following orders, and staying in line. And for sure, folks listening to me right now, near and far, here in this room, downstairs, on the radio, online, for sure I know this. A lot of people have a hard time with this word. A lot of people have a difficulty with even the original language giving that picture of falling in line, doing what you're told. It's not easy to accept. And maybe you personally struggle here. And it comes out in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of people that just have a hard time with authority. And they just like questioning and challenging any authority that they don't agree with. We're seeing even in a season now, our government making decisions that many don't like, overreaching, going far beyond perhaps the authority that's been given to them in ways that we've never seen before. And so the attitude is, the government's so corrupt. It's out of control. And you're asking me to submit to an out of control government? Some say, no way, let's overthrow the government. Let's take over and do it our way. But Peter says here, long before the circumstances that we're in right now, and we have to apply them to where we're living right now, but before we ever get there, we've got to remember who Peter's writing to and what he's, why he's writing it. 
Peter says this, and it couldn't be clearer. If you're going to abstain, if I'm going to abstain from fleshly lusts, then I'm to submit to every ordinance of man. Why, verse 13, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Now, wait a minute. Some might say, what if the government's wrong and the laws are corrupt? What should we do then? Well, I think Peter, he laid out for us that there are times where we must obey God rather than man. That's no issue. In Acts chapter 5, in verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, and I quote, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter believed that the there was a proper place for civil disobedience. It is when the laws of human government make it illegal to obey God. Civil disobedience comes into play when the laws of human government make it illegal to obey God. In such a case, we should obey God rather than man. However, we should also realize that in disobeying the law, we will probably have to bear the consequences of disobeying. They come together. And the consequences may involve a fine, imprisonment, or even death. That is the world in which we live. We don't live in a theocracy. God is not the head of our government. Man is. And sometimes men make decisions we like. Sometimes they make decisions we don't like. And as we come to the Bible, we have to understand if there is a call to obey God rather than man, there is probably a high price to pay for that obedience to God which is why many people compromise. We have not yet been at that place. In some cases, I think there's a possibility if, you know, you make a hard case about gathering together in a building and such, instead of also looking at the need to operate in our culture. I get all those. I get, I get the understanding. I understand that's the world we've been living in as leaders for many, many months now. But on a larger scale, the reality of submission is mostly in things we just don't agree with. And what do you do when you don't agree? This isn't the only time in scriptures, you know, that we're called to obey the laws of the land and submit to governmental authority. In Romans chapter 13, there are very clear instructions. Also in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus speaks on submission. I mean, when you look at the life of Jesus, and you think of the... What the, what the tax money was being used for in the Roman government, Jesus participated in that system, knowing full well where the money in the fish was going in order to take care of various things within the government. What's really interesting with Peter is that he's writing to a group of suffering Christians under the evil hand of Nero. And we looked at that in earlier studies. He wasn't just a bad man. He wasn't just a mean leader. He, he wasn't just what some might call a liberal or what some might call conservative. He wasn't that. He was evil incarnate in authority at the time. Having to deal with and, and having the, the believers having to deal with the threat of life every single moment. He came against the church in a very vicious way. And Peter says to those under the Nero, obey the laws of the land. Why? Well, he gives us a couple of reasons. Notice, number one, it's for the Lord's sake in verse 13. Obedience and submission is for the Lord's sake. And here's the thing. Obedience and submission has everything to do with personal sacrifice and pain. So what you may find in your life, 
especially those of you that are newer believers, here's what you can expect. The greater you desire to obey God, the more personal pain you will experience. There's just no way around it. Your life is different now, especially if you got saved later in life where you have developed all these habits and ways of getting around things to get your way. And now it's very challenging. It's like, man, I don't want my way. I want to submit to the Lord. Well, it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. It's going to come up against your pride and your arrogance. It's going to come up against your comfort and ease. It's going to come up against your reputation and what people say. And they're going to, like, Paul, like Peter said earlier, they're going to call you evildoer. You're going to do good, and you're going to be called an evildoer. And that's just part of the package. So we submit for the Lord's sake. So he describes in verse 13, to the king as supreme, or even to his governors, his delegated authority, or even those that are sent by him to punish evildoers. And, and it's interesting, don't miss this. Evildoers here for Peter is connected, the same word connected, just a couple of verses. Who are they going to call evildoers in a culture that hates God? Believers. And people will be sent to punish evildoers. Who will be considered the evildoers? Those that do good. It's all predicted in the scriptures. It was lived out in the life of Jesus, the greatest doer of good that ever walked the planet. All he did was love and serve and heal, and help, and teach, and give. The reward for perfect man, God in human flesh, he was tortured viciously and killed, murdered cruelly. So don't miss this connection here. It says they're going to speak of you, verse 12, as evildoers. And now he's connecting us with now those that are sent to punish evildoers. You submit to them. Why? for the praise of those who do good. Here's another reason, verse 15. It's the will of God. Submission is the will of God. Are there times when we obey God rather than man? Yes, for sure. That, that's the difficulty. It's where people draw the line. Because even in the decision-making of drawing the line, you can make that line very fuzzy to serve self. See, if we're really on the planet to honor and glorify Jesus Christ, and our primary citizenship is in heaven, that's how we see things. And we know that submission is the will of God. Take it away, again, from our current circumstances, and just think of the challenges in your life when it comes to submission. When it comes to submission to your boss, as we'll see in a moment. Uh, something that we all dismiss like it's no big deal. How about this? Submitting to the speed limit. And there's just that sense of where I don't care what the speed limit is. I don't think it should be 25 here. I think it should be 50. And so you just do your own thing. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says submit to authority. And so whoever made that decision and whatever that, that, that whatever the sign says is the law. Well, I don't like it. Well, nobody asked you whether you liked it or not. Because you're participating in society. You don't live alone. And you think about it, maybe you've seen this before where you were driving on a street that was 45 and you're used to 45, 45, 45, and then all of a sudden it struck you that they changed it to 25. 
And now you're really upset. You go, what do you mean 25? It's always been 45. I grew up here. I live, I, my mom saw 45. My grandma's 45. And for me, 25? I'm going to drive 45 all I want. And I'm going to do my own thing. But if you took the time to ask the right people the right questions, you may find out that after a careful study and a few serious incidents, they determined with whatever their mathematical formulas that they needed to slow cars down on this road because there's a turn up ahead. And a few weeks ago, the kid got hit riding their bike. And they're making decisions that may impact you, but for the greater good of society. And the last thing this world needs is a lot more non-submissive people. And the last thing this world needs is a group of people that say they submit to God, but don't demonstrate that submission in culture. That's what Peter's saying. Well, we submit to God. Yeah, but you, you don't obey the law. And you actually make fun of it and flaunt it. And there's no witness. It's, you're going, verse 15, against the will of God. This is more important because, you know, this sense of your life being evangelistic, the sense of our church being a witness to the world. Look, there's the next reason. It says that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Your submission is an evangelism tool. It is an opportunity to shine the light of the power of God's word in your life. To demonstrate that even though you may not agree, that you have chosen to obey God above man, which is very powerful. We usually interpret obeying God above man as something that personally serves us. But you know, we obey God above man, which makes us more, submission in, more submissive in culture, not less. I think of my own life, and perhaps you have the same testimony. Before I was saved, I was a very, very deep lawbreaker. That, that was, laws did not apply to me. And I wasn't worried about the consequences, although I should have been. And I wasn't worried about the people I might hurt, although I should have been. I wasn't worried about what it might do to Marie or to my son or to my name or to my family. I didn't care. And then I was born again. And all of a sudden, I began to care. All of a sudden, I began to care, not only the consequences, but I, be, I began to care about what my life might demonstrate to my mom and dad now. Where they, all these years, such a rebellious punk kid, even into my 20s. They've never really seen their son obey and submit as a lifestyle. Now, what would that look to my parents? What would it look to my wife? How would my son see a change? How, how could my life now become a light on a hilltop? How can now my new life in Christ be such a change from who I used to be? You see, we want to follow God in obedience. Obedience and submission silence the critics and gives an open door for the gospel to be shared when they ask you why you don't cheat on your taxes, why you follow the laws, why there's extra effort to do what's right. It gets people's attention. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message today was framed around the latter half of 1 Peter chapter 2. It's called The Freedom Submission Brings. And you can hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, today we heard the call to obey the laws of the land and submit to authority. 
You also mentioned that there are times we must obey God rather than man. So I'd like for you to touch on something that we've been dealing with in recent months as the church in the pandemic. Now, as you know, some states require churches to shut down and keep their doors closed. Would that be an example where we would obey God rather than man, or should we submit even though we disagree? Well, you know, Larry, that has been a challenging, divisive question and how we answer it since the pandemic began. And let me just start at the end rather than the beginning. At the end is a decision of whether what I'm about to do is sinful toward God, whether someone told me to do it, the government told me to do it, I feel like it. The line that I cannot cross is to sin against God. And so in the beginning of the pandemic now, let's go back to the beginning, uh, we didn't know what we were dealing with, we weren't sure, nobody really knew, and the request to shut down was um, something that everyone complied with, because, you know, we could take a few weeks to flatten the curve, we could, we could wait it out, we had technology already. You know, one of the great side benefits of all this is so many more churches are streaming now uh, that weren't before, so that's great, taking advantage of a difficult situation and using it for the glory of God. Uh, but over time, we recognized that with the decisions of the government, they would let uh, marijuana stores open, they would let strip clubs open, they, they would allow other things to be open, and even next to us, there's a Safeway supermarket, they never closed, uh, and we began to pray of whether the request to close after a few weeks was beyond the scope of allowing people to worship. It is a, it's mandated by God to gather together, uh, to make that a regular part of our lives. And, and so I see in the pandemic, you know, many places where you start out saying, okay, we're going, we're going to follow along, not unsure what we're, what, what's happening, and then over time coming to the conclusion that the request is no longer really based and rooted in any kind of reality. And if I could go to the market, if I could go to Costco, I'm obviously not visiting those other places, but if I can go to other places that are open, then I can go to church. And, and, the, and at the same time, we did require in those early days uh, face coverings, because why not? That was a slam dunk. Let's see if we can follow as much as we can as unto the Lord. And gathering together was great. We were able to worship with face coverings. People were getting saved with face coverings, prayer meetings with face coverings, singing with face coverings. Like, we were able to do everything that God uh, would require us to do. And, and so submitting, you know, there's a freedom as we're learning, that submission brings, and I think it, it speaks of a heart. I think it speaks of uh, not only a, a heart, but the desire to have the, the will of the Lord. And when a dictate causes or is requiring or is requesting me to sin against a holy and a righteous God, I cannot comply, and we cannot comply. Uh, and it's just like Peter said, hey, you judge for yourselves what you're supposed to do, but, I, but, but for us, um, we can't—we're we're, going to obey God. We're not going to sin against God. Now, here's the problem. We all kind of define what sin is and what it isn't, um, but, you know, you have to be fully convinced in your own mind and make a decision by faith. Uh, so, you know, it's a tricky situation, but the Lord gives wisdom. We need it. We ask for it. He gives wisdom, and, the, and we've been open for a long time, worshiping God, people getting saved. It's amazing. Um, but we also tried to follow— 
as many as the requirements as possible without sinning against God. And I, I really hope, just as I'm ending it up, Larry, that the Lord was pleased with us, uh, that he knew our desire, and we took things seriously on, on, on every level that we could, and that God would honor it. Great insights there. Thanks again, Ed. This month, we picked out a book that we think you'll enjoy. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and to help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Now, please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Well, we're glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Peter, and we'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.